That's it. That was your cue. What was my cue? That right there. You're supposed to say, Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. That's right. Then you say, Myths from Around the World. Myths from Around the World. Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast. A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared. Everything will be all right, trust me. Oh, and this is our submission for the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022. Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theatre. This is the 31st episode of the Dog Days of Podcasting edition, uh, an edition to the Dog Days of Podcasting. I, uh, like I said earlier in one of the previous podcasts, I'm going to continue this after the dog days. I'm going to try and take that momentum and keep rolling. I'm going to start doing stories probably every two weeks, and I'll just I'll start posting them. I'm going to finish it off with Aladdin's Wonderful Lamp. Uh, we've got to the where, where I've got it right now, I have recorded. So, yeah, giving myself two weeks before I come back and drop uh, an hour, I think. Nobody, nobody gave me a length comment. So, half hour, hour, 20 minutes. I'm still kind of playing with that. We'll see how it goes with the story, exactly where it breaks up. But when I, before editing, I haven't got to the editing. I have like five hours of audio that I recorded straight one Sunday for the Aladdin's Lamp. So, <laughs> when I was done, I was docking like this. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, yay, we all made it to the end. Uh, I don't get to see any of you in Dragon Con. I hope you have a great time. Sing lots of karaoke. Maybe somebody will sing uh, I Get By with the help of my friends for me. Anyway. <laughs> I know you're all traveling, so yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm super jealous. I hope you have all you all have a great time, and uh, yeah, it's been fun for the dog days. Thanks to everybody who participated. Thanks to everyone who listened. Whenever you're listening, thank you very much. That's all we have to say for this evening. So, without further ado, here is Aladdin's Wonderful Lamp, Part Nine. During this time, Aladdin had changed his ways greatly. He no longer consorted with the ragamuffins of the streets, but for selected for his friends, men of standing and integrity. His daily practice was to go to the market and converse with the merchants in a serious and business-like manner, in the endeavor to learn their method and the value of stuffs. And often he would watch the jewelers at their work and the goods they handled, and through knowledge thus acquired, he began to suspect that the jewel fruit that he had gathered in the garden of the cavern was not glass, as he imagined, but real gems. By this and that, and by comparing and asking questions, he came at length to the certainty that he had actually possessed the richest jewels in all the earth. The smallest among them was bigger and more sparkling by far than the largest and finest he could see in any jeweler's shop. One day, while his mind was engaged with this amazing thing, and while he was, as usual, studying the ways of merchants in the bazaar and the varying quality of their goods, a thing happened which was predestined to have far-reaching results on his life. 
He was in the jeweler's market, taking note of things, when a herald came by, crying to all the people, Take heed, for he commanded the sultan, king of the age and lord of the earth, let all doors be closed, and let none come forth from shop or dwelling on pain of instant death. For the sultan's daughter, Bear el Badur, cometh to Bath. Take heed. Now, on hearing this, a great longing arose in Aladdin's breast to look upon the face of Bedra el Badur, the sultan's daughter. Oh, people extol her loveliness, he said to himself. And I, even if I die for it, I will look upon her face for something I know not what impels me to gaze on Bedra el Badur the beautiful. So, with this will, he speedily found the way. Hastening to the Haman, he secreted himself behind the door so that, unobserved himself, he might see her when she came in. And he had not long to wait, for presently the sultan's daughter arrived, and as she entered, she lifted the veil from her face so that Aladdin saw her features clearly. What a wondrous beauty was there! The witchery of her eyes, the ivory of her skin, the jet of her glossy tresses, these and the swaying of her graceful body as she walked caused Aladdin's heart to turn to water and then to spring wildly into flame. What a creature is this princess, he said within himself. I knew not that God had ever created such a soul of loveliness. Then suddenly an overwhelming love for her took him by the heart and got hold of him utterly so that he knew not else for the very stress of it. Like one walking in a dream, Aladdin went home and sat him down in a dejection of spirit. For a long time he answered not his mother's questions as to what ailed him, but continued like one who had beheld a vision so lovely that it had deprived him of his senses. At last, however, he looked up and said, Oh, my mother, know that until today I had believed that all women were of thy fashion of face, but now I find they are not. For today I saw the sultan's daughter, and she is more beautiful than all others on earth. And Aladdin told her how he had hidden behind the door of the man, so that when Bedra el Badur had entered and lifted her veil, he had seen her clearly, and how, on that, a great love had leapt up in his heart and filled him to the exclusion of all else. And there is no rest for me, he concluded, until I win the lady Bedra el Badur and make her my wife. At these daring words, Aladdin's mother regarded him sharply with fear on her face. Art thou mad, my son? she cried. For if such an insane act is thine intention, then God save thee. Nay, O oh my mother, he answered. I am not mad, but as I risk my life to see her, so will I risk it again to win her. For without her, life is of no account to me. I will go to the sultan and ask him to give me the lovely Bedra el Matur for my lawful wife. Seeing his determination, his mother was sore afraid and knew not what to do. For a long time she reasoned with him anxiously, pointing out what a scandal it would be for the son of a poor tailor to aspire to the sultan's daughter, the highest in the land, and one whom the sultan would scarce bestow upon a king who was his equal. Aladdin listened very quietly, and then replied that his resolve was unshaken, and, though he admitted the truth of all that she had said, he would nevertheless carry out his purpose, for the lady Bedra el Badur was the only thing in the world to him, and if he did not win her, he would die. In vain she suggested that there were many of his own class that he might marry. Besides, 
To approach the Sultan on such a matter meant certain death, unless, indeed, the Sultan thought to bind him on an ass with his face to the tail and parade him through the city with all the herald shouting, Behold the reward of the presumption and the payment of impotence. These arguments and more his mother put before him, but Aladdin shook his head at all of them and remained firm in his determination. And further, O oh my mother, he said, I wish now that thou go thyself to the Sultan and put my request to him, for am I not thy child, and is it not thy duty to perform this office for me? Oh, my son, she cried in despair, wilt thou bring me into thy madness? I, a poor woman of humble birth, to go to the Sultan and demand the princess for my son? Why, if I were to even go to one of our equals and demand his daughter, I should be immediately be asked what money and goods we possessed, and if we could not give a ready reply on that matter of equal, what reply do you imagine could I give the Sultan? Besides all this, O oh my son, how shall I ever gain access to the Sultan's presence for the purpose without bearing a rich gift to offer him? Out on thee, my son, for thy presumption. What hast thou done for thy country, or what are thy vast possessions that the Sultan should reward thee with his daughter? Mother, answered Aladdin, thy words have served thee well, for they have called to my recollection a thing which, through the excessive love for the Lady Bedra el Madur, I had forgotten. Thou sayest that thou canst not approach the Sultan without a rich gift? Then, O oh my mother, if I place in thy hands an offering richer than any king in the world can make to any other, wilt thou carry out my desire? Thinking his words were wild as the wind, and that he could produce no such offering, his mother agreed. But, remembering the slave of the lamp, and what had already been done in that way, she stipulated with Aladdin that she would carry out his wish only on the condition that it required no further invoking of the Afrique. Aladdin assured her on this and asked her to fetch him a china bowl. Wondering greatly, she arose and brought the bowl to him. Then Aladdin emptied into it all the sparkling jewels which he had carried within his garments, and when they were heaped together in the bowl, they shone with dazzling splendor. Liking well her amazement, he explained to his mother how he had learned in the marketplace that what he at first thought were made of mere glass were really the rarest of precious stones, the equal of the least of which could not be found in the treasuries of kings. On hearing this, and at the sight of the brilliant flashing gems, his mother was dumbfounded, for she saw that this was indeed a treasure beyond all imagination and worthy of the sultan's acceptance. But, as she had naught to say, Aladdin spoke for her and held her to her promise. Thou seest, O oh my mother, he said, that this is an offering excelling all others. Now, therefore, according to thy promise, arise straight away and go to the Sultan, bearing these wondrous jewels. I am greatly mistaken if he accepteth not the gifts. But, O oh my son, answered she in dismay, what can I say to him? The gift is fabulous indeed, but still more fabulous is the request thou desire me to put to him. For if I say I want his daughter for my son, he may be so angered in my impotence that he will take the jewels and condemn me to death, and then he may search for thee, my son, and when he hath found thee and looked upon thy face, we will assuredly die together. <coughs> You have 
been listening to Empath Studios' presentation of the Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. Sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlast.org, or you can email us at j at jglangchance.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 unported license. Thanks for joining us.